Amen. We're going to go ahead and dismiss the children tonight. Amen. I know Sister Autumn uh, came down with a fever, but Brother Joe called me about a half hour ago, well, an hour ago. He said he had a temperature of 100 over a hundred, amen, so we need to also keep him in prayer, the whole family. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You ever feel like sometimes God takes you to places you don't want to go? Yeah, I feel the same way. Amen. And uh, I was going to teach on something different. Amen. Still going to follow our series, but I'm going to, going to, I was going to teach a different part of the series and with uh, just trying to fill after the Holy Ghost. Amen. I just wanted to be in tune with God tonight. Amen. I remember, you may be seated. I remember um, I received the Holy Ghost in 1986. And I'll never forget that experience that I, I had that night, amen. But the real experience really was when I, when I returned to my home, amen. And uh, my wife, she had went to work and... Uh, I remember in that living room, you know, it's funny you, at least for me, you receive the Holy Ghost and you question God. Is it real? Is it, is it real? And upon saying that, I, uh, I can remember falling to my knees and seeking after the Lord because I had been to various churches trying to find out if the experience that I experienced was really real. And the more I sought after what I already knew happened to me, the more confused I became. I remember a, a brother, a, an awesome brother, had told me, he said, bro, he says, because I'd asked him, I said, how do you know that the Holy Ghost is, is real? How do you know that it isn't? You know, of the devil, because I heard a lot of people say, well, that's just, you know, speaking in tongues is of the devil, even though it's biblical, and even though those that have walked with Jesus experienced the same Holy Ghost that we did, it caused me to question, not question God, but really question myself. So I asked this brother, and he says, you know, you know how you can tell if the Holy Ghost is of God? And I said, well, no. Thank you, Ron. He said, the Holy Ghost, if it's from God, it will never lead you astray beyond God. And that was the best advice he could ever give me because I've held onto that statement for 33, 34 years. And that's exactly the very same statement I give when someone asks me, 
is the Holy Ghost real? How do you know it isn't of the devil? The devil cannot help but lie. Eventually, he will steer you the wrong way away from God. God only pulls you into a greater relationship with him. And that's how you can know if it's of God. And why do I, why do I say that? Short time after I received the Holy Ghost, um, it was about six months, I had a friend, uh, I won't say his last name, but his, his name was Ed. Me and Ed had hung, hung around together, and we were, we were buds, man. We did everything together. He was he was my buddy. Uh, we we did a lot of lot of things together. And even though Ed probably had good intentions, he didn't understand spiritual concepts. He only could see things in the natural. No matter how many times he came to church, he didn't really understand. He sat there and he'd listen intently on what, what the bishop was talking about and what he was saying, what he was preaching, but he never got beyond the point of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you fail your relationship with God Almighty, you fail in your relationship of everything else. In other words, it can never be what God has originally intended for it to be. Because we listen to other voices, and the sad thing about that is, eventually, by me hanging around with Ed, it, it pulled me away from God. There's nothing wrong with having friends if the intention, if the intention is to bring them to God but there's a certain point that you can't go beyond because eventually that friend that you have that friend that you know so well it could be your entire life will eventually cause you to think and question God and possibly pull you away from what's really important and what's really important, if you don't know, is living a life with Jesus Christ included into it wholeheartedly. If you really love somebody, I want you to think about this. If you really love somebody, if I say I love you, my sole intention is to get that person into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you say you love somebody and you have a spiritual mind, amen, you're spiritually driven, you know that life as we know it, amen, in the natural is only temporary. It's only going to last so long. The Bible says we are we, 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 we have an opportunity to live one generation. One generation is approximately 70 years. A lot of people don't get to 70 years. And the Bible says if you get to 80, you're really blessed. Um, and so with that short time, I want to do everything I can to bring people to the saving knowledge of who he is.
who he is. I want to touch on the subject social freedom or relationships. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a place where we can be captive to worldly relationships. Amen. And there is a tendency, there is a possibility if we allow ourselves to get caught up in these worldly relationships that it can, I'm not saying it will, but it can pull you away from what God is trying to do in your life. Because God loves you so much, so much, he's invested a great deal into you. Praise God. We're going to continue our series on living free in the kingdom of God, living free in the kingdom of God. Approximately 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He died on an old rugged cross. The reason why he did that is so we could have a life of freedom. Praise God. Not just spiritual freedom. Not just financial freedom. Not just uh, social freedom, relationships. Physical freedom. Emotional freedom, the mind, amen, uh, but just free to, to live for God, amen, and not having these other things bind you up, praise God, and put you in a place of captivity. I love knowing who he is, and I love living a life of freedom. Praise God. I refuse to allow anything of this world to hold me captive, whether it's my job. <laughs> Job's a big one. We can do that. A job can steal the freedom that God has for you. We can get so tied up in our job because we, we want so many things or we have so many bills or we've We've, done, we've made bad choices and we've, we're, we're caught up in bills. And I could go on and on and on and on. But we don't have to live in that type of lifestyle. Praise God. We, we don't have to. I feel, I believe, I know that it is a choice. Amen. And if we listen to the voice of God, and we're faithful to God, he can help us overcome, amen, those bad choices. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but I wanted to read just a little bit of Matthew 6, amen, and then we'll get into um, our theme and our theme of this series is found in, in Matthew 6, verse 33, uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if you do this, all these things shall be added unto you. All what things? And do we believe what the scripture says? If Jesus says all these things shall be added unto you, then obviously we're lacking in some areas. Amen. 
And he came to fulfill those areas that we are lacking in. Praise God. But there's a requirement. And the requirement is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't allow yourself to be captive to the things of this world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. John said all that is in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, a pride of life, is an enmity toward God. It's an enemy. Is he saying the world is an enemy? No, God loves the world that he created. But he's talking the things, amen, that affect human nature. The lust that draws us away. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Amen. If the devil ever wants to try to trip you up, he will do it in those three areas. Chapter 6, verse 1 says, Be careful not to practice uh, your righteousness in front of people, to be seen by them. Amen. Don't fall in with the Joneses. We don't, we don't need to do that. Amen. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you and say, hey, look, at, look, at what, we, look what we did. Just to get an applause, I assure you, whoever does that, they have the reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may not be may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to stand. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got the reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your father. Who is in secret. And your, father, and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you ask of him. God knows everything you need. He knows everything you want. He knows the desires of your heart and my heart. And as we seek God's righteousness, amen, God knows how to fulfill our needs. I think it's wise to say or smart to say or just to say to be free is a condition that I believe we'd all like to experience. Is there a part in our lives that are binding us up? Have we fully given ourselves and our stuff to God? Have we really let go of what God has allowed us to partake in? Or have we held on to some things that God had no business, he, he, he didn't want no part of it? I wonder if we can imagine, just for a few minutes, living in a world where we are no longer bound by limitations. 
Hmm. One day we will. One day we're going to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. And we will not be subject to the things of the flesh. We won't be subject to the things of this world. Amen. We will be free. Free from what? Free from sorrow. Free from death. Free from troubles. Free from failed relationships. Amen. I've said this once and I'll say it again. I know people that I love dearly, but I also know that they're going to fail me. But guess what? I'm going to fail them too. And the reason why is because we have a human nature that we, 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 we struggle with and we, we fight with. So where did this difficulty began where where did the struggle begin well it started way back six thousand years ago in the garden of eden where adam and eve decided to do their own thing the bible says they disobeyed god in the garden and they gave away the power that was given to them the power to make right choices the power to enjoy the relationship that they shared with one another. It was only when Adam and Eve stepped out of the purpose and the will of God and followed their own desires that a door was open. A door for failed relationships. They would live for almost a thousand years. I want you to think about that. They lived for almost a thousand years. And how many times did they see failed relationships in front of their eyes because of what they did? What a life of sorrow. What a life of pain. It started out with their very own kids. When Cain slew Abel, amen. This is what happened to Adam and his wife. You see, God blessed them. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful in your relationship with each other. When your relationship multiplies by having children, you have the opportunity to have a pure and wholesome and godly, everyone say godly, godly relationship with each other. That's the way that God wanted it to be. Replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Be in a place where you have control, where God backs you up. Amen. Isn't that an awesome way to live? Isn't that a place where you want to be, where, where, where God has your back? If anyone has my back, I love you folks, but I would, I would put God in your place anytime. You see, the Word of God is truly a book about relationships. It's a book about relationships. It's a book about social 
activities. And since we're talking about relationships, there are two areas where relationships can influence our direction in life. The first one is our spiritual relationship, our relationship with God, our creator, amen. And the second one is really just as or close to being as important, and that's our physical relationships with with each other, with mankind, with our wives, with our brothers, with our sisters, with our cousins. There will be a profound impact from our relational decisions that we make each and every day. If we're not careful, the relationship that we love and cherish can quickly turn sour. Now, we touched on spiritual relationships in our first lesson, amen, and the impact it could have according to the choices that we make individually in life and really as a collective body, amen. We can, we can try to make a decision together, and it could still go sour. That's why it's important to seek God. That's why it's important to ask God for direction. God, are we going the right way? Am I making the right decision, Lord? Are you in this, Lord God? It's interesting in Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, it says, And God, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. In other words, humans need humans to fulfill that, that companionship, if you will. Now, I love my dog, but my dog... Well, I don't have a dog, but if I had a dog, he can never fulfill the things that my wife can fulfill in my life, or my children, or my grandchildren. And God saw that Adam was lacking in something. God knew what it was, amen. And Adam was looking around at all these animals and, and he knew that there was no form. He knew that something was missing from him. And so God put him to sleep, opened a side and pulled out a rib and God made woman. And there was a relationship, a relationship of, of intimacy, a relationship of companionship, a relationship of love, amen. Nothing like a relationship between two people. I love when my brother comes to see me. There's, it's, such, it's just so awesome being with my bro. Nobody can replace that. Amen. So I want to ask you this question. How important is it to wait on God for godly relationships? It can be a wife. It can be a husband. It could be someone that you just want to live for God with. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked 
together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness doing right things for God, with God, seeking God? What, what, what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness, those that do not have a desire to seek God? A lot of cases, serving God, coming to church is foolishness unto them. They don't get it, but how can they? Unless the light of the glorious gospel would shine in their lives and, and, and God would spike a spark a desire in their heart and it would drive them to want more from God. What communion hath light with darkness? Paul was really getting to the point. He's saying you cannot, amen, have people in your life that will ultimately be detrimental to your spiritual relationship with not only each other, but with God. Praise God. You see, this verse not only talks about marriage, but it also includes being connected. Being connected with godly people as a whole because godly people produce godly relationships. I, I, I like that. Godly people produce godly relationships. Or they should produce godly relationships. Proverbs 18 and 24. And here again, I'm not saying it's not good to be friendly. Because the only way that you're going to win a soul and bring them to God is to be friendly. To show them that there is something better than the, what they've been, where they've been living and how they've been living. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Praise God. I wonder why the Bible says, I've, I've wondered why the Bible says Abraham and God were friends. Praise God. I wrote some statements here. The statement, the first statement I wrote was, times of adversity and trouble will only deepen the loyalty of a true friend. In other words, if you're struggling and you're having a hard time, a true friend is not going to beat you up. He's not going to criticize you. He's going to embrace you. He's going to help you. He's going to encourage you because his sole desire is to get you a place where you could be strong enough in God to help somebody else. Praise God. 
We talked about the word instruction the other day, and I, I keep coming back to that. Every time I find a new word, I keep coming back to that. But instruction begins with the inward. Structure, struct, destruction is where we get the word structure from. So the word of God builds you from the inside out, amen. There's a structure that God wants to replace with your old structure, your human nature. He wants you to be influenced by God's spiritual nature. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Number two, I have here, somebody once said that friends are like good health. You don't realize what a blessing they are until you lose them. Amen. I like being healthy. I don't like being in bed because I have the flu. Amen. And friends are like good health. When somebody is missing in the house of God, it makes me sick. I, I, I become unhealthy. I, I, I grieve and I'm in sorrow because I want to see them at the house of God. I want to see that they have such a great desire and fervency to be at the house of God. Why? So they can gain nourishment. So their bones can become strong and healthy. Amen. So the structure that God is developing within that individual, amen, is being built up and encouraged. If there's nothing that happens to you when somebody isn't here, wherever, whenever we're having a church function, if you're not feeling something missing inside of you, we need to check ourselves. It drives me crazy. It, it drives me crazy. You don't realize it. You don't realize what a blessing they are until you lose them. Number three, being a friend of someone comes with responsibility. Why? Because the closer, the closer I get to somebody, the more flaws I see in that individual. Maybe that's why I try to shun people away because I don't want them to see my flaws. And the greater responsibility or the bigger task to keep these is to keep these imperfections in confidence. God, did you know Pastor Torres? He, he does this and that. And, or Brother George, he, he does this and that. Or... You see, we're, we're, we're fighting. We're, we're fighting with ourselves. We're fighting with our flesh, praise God. Because we have this weakness, we have this, this part in us where, where it, it's difficult to overcome. We want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to be accepted. But the one that you really want to be accepted by is the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We always want to rise up, amen, and that's always typical of flesh. 
I want people to see me praying. I want people to see this. I want people to see that. It's always flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. They're not carnal. They're not mischievous. It's not something where I, I, I want to lift myself up. I want to get back at somebody. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds is simply Satan's grip on a person's life. Strongholds. Casting down imaginations. That's how Satan tripped up Eve. Imaginations. Don't you know that I can give you more than what God can give you? And she believed that lie. She was searching for more than what God had already placed in her life. And the end result was a lost relationship. Disease-infested life. Her physical and her social and her financial and her spiritual relationship that she enjoyed was gone. And Adam's. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the Word of God. The Word of God. If anything tries to rise up against this precious, precious book, you need to get it out. I need to get it out of my life. It is not worth it. These are eternal values, eternal principles that will get you to heaven and it will bring you to a place where what you're looking for in life will be, will be within hand's grasp. You just, I just, we just have to trust. We just have to trust that God's promises are true. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, we line up with the word of God. We push the things away that try to, dis, dis, try to uh, distract us from God and we embrace his word. Amen. This means that we are no longer captive to the things of this world. I like the word here that I wrote down. It's rehabilitated. Anybody know what that means? Praise God. They tried to drill that into me, amen. You, you, you need to be rehabilitated. There was nothing that they could do. I'm talking about the penal system. There's nothing that they could do to rehabilitate me. The problem wasn't on the outside, Brother Brad. The problem was on the inside. 
They didn't know how to fix that. They could only show me what was wrong with me. And they tried to put me in a position where I needed to fix it. I couldn't fix it. I was powerless to do that. The only way that I could fix it is with power that God gave me to rise above these worldly things. And when God gave me and filled me with the Holy Ghost, He filled me with power as long as I walked in the purpose of God. As long as I didn't push that knowledge away. And I can still say today that I am rehabilitated. So what are we free from? Well, I think a big one is worldly relationships. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Say it again. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what we're talking about here. If we want to be friends with that, amen, it's enmity. We become enemies of God. For all that is in the world, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes the way, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Woo! That's awesome. That's awesome. Praise God. He just wants you to walk in his purpose. He just wants you to walk in his will. He's not looking for perfection. He knows that you're going to fail somewhere along the way, amen. But if you fully trust in him, and deny those things. Amen. He will empower you. Amen. To enjoy this freedom that we're talking about. James chapter 1 verse 22 through 25 says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. We hear the word of God and we act upon the Word of God. We acknowledge that the Word of God is for me. We, uh, you could split that acknowledge into two words. Act knowledge. Act on the knowledge. Put that knowledge into action. Put it into action. Don't just be hearers. Don't just hear and walk away. There's no change in that. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's, he's like a man beholding a natural, his natural face in a glass or a mirror. 
For be he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That's what happened to me with Mr. Ed. Word of God told me, without God, I don't have a lot of hope. It told me I was a sinner. told me I needed to repent. So I did that. Then it showed me the other side of this promise. It told me I was a child of God because I repented and I received the Holy Ghost and I was baptized and I was a son of the King. But somewhere in my walk with God, I was influenced by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and I allowed the knowledge that was taught to me I allowed something to wedge in between God and me. And when I looked at the word of God, which was a mirror, which was a reflection, a looking glass, I walked away and I forgot what manner of man God or I was that God did for me. But whoso look unto the perfect law of liberty, freedom, <laughs> and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his actions, in his deed, and what he does. You see, James makes it easy for us to understand. He compares it to looking in a mirror. The, the mirror, okay, how many times you look at it, it's not going to lie. It tells the truth every single time. I've got written here, and I've probably stated it before, I like the mirror a lot more when I was 25 than I do today. It's a lot more wrinkles, man. In closing, freedom in Christ is allowing all parts of God's kingdom to reign in our lives. Don't allow, amen, social, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial bondage to hold you captive. Release it. Bust open the prison doors and walk out. And God will allow you to experience a freedom that you never thought possible.